Have you ever been in one of those situations where you're asking yourself, who's going to talk first? This, this is the quietest weekend I think I've ever experienced here. Last night, it, you could have heard a pin drop. First service this morning, just as quiet as could be. So we need a little bit of noise in here today, okay? So let's just liven things up some, yeah. 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 Okay, now just to be sure, let's do that again, but for Jesus, not me, okay? Not because I'm at, this is for Jesus, all right, again, okay? Yes, Lord, we love you. All right. (laughs) Hey, how many of you uh, got a devotional last week? Picked one up? Hope you did. Here they are. We're doing the Freedom Project, which is uh, uh, actually going to be an eight-week emphasis. Started off at six, but we've expanded it. Uh, we're going we're gonna to have two weeks of all-worship weekends. And next week, we'll have a message. And then the following two weekends will be all-worship. And then in between, we will have worship happening here at the church. We'll give you a schedule as to when that happens. But this devotional tracks along uh, with the, the whole project. What it will do is give you an opportunity to kind of like know that you're doing something that the vast majority of people here in this church body are doing. And so that's what I told myself uh, every day I read. Uh, there was one day I missed and I went back and caught it the next day. But um, so pick one of these up if you didn't get it. How many of you re- how many of you have used it this week? Okay, cool. Yeah, awesome. The rest of you, come on, get with the program here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Pick one, you can pick one up on the way out. We have uh, plenty, so if, if you got one last week and lost it, you can pick up another one. Hey, we have these uh, cards that um, match the devotional for the week. Uh, just a real cool little um, business-sized card. Last week it said obedience, and there was a verse on the back that, uh, that uh, was part of the key to the devotional for the week. This, this week it's sacrifice. What I want to ask right now is for the uh, ushers to come on down, and let's pass these out. Now, here's what I would like. I want everybody to get one of these, please. Okay, so um, just everybody take one. And, um, yeah, you got them, Nico? Okay, just go on back. Go on back through and pass them out. Yeah. Okay, uh, we need someone here. Uh, Jim, could you pick that bag up and go back this row here? There you go. All right. Just going back through there. Okay, everybody get one of these. Don't they look nice? It's pretty. It's a uh, pretty color. And Freedom Project, the next step. We did a Freedom Project last year that um, was really great and, and really helped a lot of us at a heart level to understand more the abundance of God and God's desire, His deep desire to bless us. And so this year, it's the Freedom Project, the next step, which is... Uh, we're going to take a, another step in, in what it means to walk in freedom through Christ in relationship to our possessions and our finances and our giving. And so all of that uh, wraps up together in this. So everybody get one? Okay, awesome. Take it with you and, um, and uh, review it this week and use it with the devotional, please. Okay, so let's pray, okay, and then move into the, the message today. Father, uh, we want to thank you that we can come together as believers, and, and we can cheer. We can uh, holler for you and tell you, tell you we love you. 
And uh, later we're going to sing Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we, just, we worship you, the triune God. Uh, we, we are amazed at your, your love for us. We're blown away by the sacrifice you made so that you could know us. And uh, Holy Spirit, uh, we're, just a, we're just dumbfounded that you are here, God present with us and in us. And that, Jesus, you made that possible. And, Father, you chose us before you even created the world. Uh, we, we just can't, we can't comprehend it, but we ask you to teach us now. And pray, Holy Spirit, teach us. Help us to understand better who we are. Help us to understand better what it means to grow in relationship with you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so you know the sermon series is uh, Freedom Project, the next step is the whole overall deal. But then the sermon series is called The Prosperous Soul. And we named it that for a reason. And, and that is, we want prosperity that impacts our entire lives right down to the core of who we are. We want prosperity that isn't simply something external. You know, when we normally think of the word prosperity in our culture, uh, we think of external prosperity. If I told you that I had lunch yesterday with a prosperous uh, person, what would you think? You'd think, person must have a lot of money, you know. You might think, I hope they paid for lunch. I hope you went to a nice place. But that's typically, isn't that right? When we think of prosperity, we think of financial prosperity. But in truth, prosperity is something that isn't limited to finances. I mean, it, it means that. But it means far more than that. And in this verse we're using, which I want to read to you right now, Third John, uh, there's only one chapter, so it's chapter 1, verse 2. Here's what John prayed. He said, Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health, just as your soul prospers. So he uses the word prosper there a couple times in this verse. And he's talking about <clears throat> in all respects, all respects of life, and in health, he wants us to prosper. But he attaches that prosperity, that outward prosperity, to our inner prosperity. And he says, that, he said, I pray that that will prosper as your soul prospers. Now, we, we tend to look at it the other way around, don't we? We tend to think, well, if my outer life prospered, then my soul would be okay. You know, if I get a raise, then I won't have to worry about finances anymore, and I'll be more joyful. I'll be more content. I'll be more happy inside. You know, if my neighbor would just stop playing music late at night, I'd be able to sleep better and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be happier inside. Or if my wife is nice to me, then, you know, my husband would, you know, we go on and on. You know, if my boss would just let me do this project and trust me to do it, then I'd be a happy person. I'd prosper internally. But you see what John does is he totally flips that. And he says, no, prosperity starts here. It starts on the inside. And in fact, he makes outward prosperity dependent upon the prosperity of the soul. Now, the word prosperity itself in Greek, it's a very interesting word. It means it, it simply is the word for a pathway. And then make that a verb. So it's like going down a pathway. And then it puts the word good on the front end of it. 
So it means a good journey, a good trip. That's what prosperity is. And when he says that, and, and if you think of a good trip or a good journey, you know, automatically my mind goes back to the days we had four little kids in the car or three little kids, and then another one came along a few years later. But um, my, my mind goes back to days. I remember one time we were driving back from visiting my family in Pennsylvania, and it was like an eight-hour-plus drive and from Pennsylvania, somewhere around Toledo, Everybody in the car was crying except me. <laughs> Out loud, sobbing. And, and I'm just slumping over against the door trying to drive. And so, you know, you might say, well, a good journey means everybody's not crying. And I'm, I'm probably the one that made them all cry. I can't remember that. But uh, it, it might mean no flat tires. Don't run out of gas. Don't get lost. But it means far more than that. A good journey, a prosperous journey, means on that journey experiencing God's blessing, experiencing God's presence, experiencing God's goodness. And so this, this whole idea of prospering in life and prospering on your way in life is just this beautiful picture of what God has for us, of the joy he wants us to experience, of his goodness, of the type of life he wants us to have. And it starts on the inside. It starts at the soul level. Now, uh, the English word for prosper even um, has some real cool uh, meaning behind it. In English, the word means to thrive. To thrive. And of course, as I said, we've taken that meaning and applied it to finances, but it applies to so much more. Think of this. If, if you use that word thrive or flourish, I pray that in all respects you may thrive and be in good health, just as your soul thrives. The, the, the term thrive just speaks of life. There's even a condition when babies are born, there are times that the baby's not making the progress it should, and the doctors don't quite know why or know what to call it, and they call it a failure to thrive. Well, God wants us to thrive at a soul level. And he wants it then to bust out from there into every other area of life. And so what is the soul? You know, I'm making reference to the inner person. What is the soul? Well, soul can be used to refer just to the total being, the total package. It can be used to refer to the person, the the body, the mind, the heart, and, and everything else. In fact, in Genesis, when it says God breathed into Adam... He became a living what? A living soul. So in that respect, it means a being, a a human being or a soul. But in this context, it doesn't mean that. Otherwise, the verse would have no meaning because it would be saying, Beloved, I pray in all respects you may prosper and be in good health. In in all respects would mean uh, in your whole life, your overall life, and be in good health in your overall life of health, just as your life prospers. So it it has to be more than life here. And in this context, in another context, when the word soul is used and is distinguished from something else, it refers to a part of our inner person. It refers to a part of who we are on the inside. We have the physical being, and then we have the inner being. And in this inner man, there are basically two parts. Now, these are not parts that you can... 
draw a real clear definition between. It's not like they're two separate entities, but the spirit and the soul. And, and again, it's not like I have a spirit on this side and then a soul on this side. It's not like that. But internally, the way my heart and my inner person functions, it can be described as spirit and soul. In fact, in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, he he defines it that way. This is a guy named the Apostle Paul. And here he's praying also. And he says, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what he's praying for there is that when Jesus returns, the complete work of salvation that Jesus has has, has completed on the cross will be instituted in each one of our lives so that body, soul, and spirit no, no longer struggles, no longer sickness, uh, made fully into what Jesus died for us to be. But he does define it as spirit first and then soul and then body. And so I'm branching off this to say these two parts of the inner person, that the spirit is the deeper part. The spirit is like my real core identity. And when I came to know Jesus, what happened was that my spirit was brought to life. Holy Spirit came into me. I mean, I was redeemed body, soul, and spirit. I was forgiven for everything I've ever done at that moment. And if you've accepted Jesus, then you were completely forgiven totally at that instant in time. And The Holy Spirit comes in and he makes us new. And in my spirit, he just makes me totally brand new. And that's the deepest part of, you you could say my deep heart or my spirit. And it's new. And here's the thing about this. The spirit operates like, um, like the autonomic nervous system in our bodies. It's automatic. You don't have to think about it. I don't have to say, okay, spirit, now we're going to love Jesus more. No, my spirit is automatically inclined towards Jesus. Just like um, I'm breathing and I'm not consciously thinking of it. Okay, that's the autonomic nervous system. My brain somewhere deep inside knows enough to know that I got to keep breathing, okay? And I have to keep blinking my eyes. And there are other autonomic functions of my organs and glands and different parts of my system that just operate. They just happen because my autonomic system is telling me to do that. That's what my spirit's like. And in my spirit, my spirit is constantly drawing me towards God. I am constantly being drawn towards Jesus. I want to know Jesus. Wow, I get to go worship. Man, worship just really, man, it just, it touched my heart somehow. I felt drawn into it. And every day, my spirit is constantly drawing me towards God. In fact, the Holy Spirit in me is doing that. And James says that his spirit jealously longs for us. So the Holy Spirit in us is stirring that, that spirit in me, which is the core of my identity, And as a child of God, I want to be with my father. As this new child of God, even without thinking about it, I just intuitively want to know God. I want to be with him. Now, the soul refers to the conscious part of my inner person. 
the soul refers to the, they call it the somatic nervous system. In my body, I have a system that I have to choose to make operate. All right, so if I'm going to pick up a book I have, or pen, I have to tell myself, all right, there's a pen, pick that pen up. And why do we love this pen? Does anybody remember? Because it's so blue. Don't you remember that? Yeah. It's so pretty, the blue color and the light shines through it. But I have to pick it up. I have to, my brain has to, I have to tell myself, pick it up. I don't have to tell myself, desire God. If I've accepted Jesus, that desire is automatic in me. It's part of that system. But my mind, my will, my emotions are all part of the voluntary system within me. And so with that system, I have to choose. I have to make choices to draw closer to God. Now, sounds like someone's in trouble somewhere to me. This is really the place spiritual growth takes place. It is. It's the place that I experience uh, choices. And what has to happen uh, for me to make those choices is my mind, which is born again, just like my spirit is, my mind can now understand who God is. I now have the ability to comprehend who he is with my mind. But I have to choose to do that. I have to choose to humble myself and open myself up to God and say, God, reveal yourself to me. Not just I'm going to memorize this list of uh, truths about who God is. You know, God is good. God is merciful. God is kind. I mean, I can rattle off a list of things I've memorized without really having insight into them. What the Holy Spirit wants to do is to give me insight, revelation, so that when I say God is good, that is goes beyond simply a state um, a, a statement I'm making and it becomes real to my mind real to my heart real to who I am now here's what happens when my spirit is drawing me towards god but my mind is still operating on the basis of old programming old things that I learned growing up that are not right Things that I picked up from my culture, from my friends, from maybe my family. Things that I am not conscious of, but things I need to learn, I need to understand from God's perspective. Illustration, simple illustration. Um, When Lori and I got married, it took me a couple years to realize that she and her side of the family were not all crazy that their communication patterns were not all wacky. didn't take me a couple years, but uh, I had to learn that, man, the way I've learned to communicate isn't all right. I I had to come to grips with that. I had to learn, yeah, some of the things my dad taught me were just way off base. And, And we have to change those things so that our minds then are filled with God's truth, God's revelation, And then my will can make the right decision. And then, of course, when that happens, my emotions tag along and and I experience joy in life. But when that doesn't happen, 
when my spirit is drawing me towards God, you know, come on, let's, 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 let's nestle up to God. Here he is. The father's right here. He loves you. He wants to be with you. But my mind is drawing me a different direction and I'm making life decisions based upon things that are not true, that are not of God. Then what I experience inside well, what do you experience if someone grabbed you by both arms right now, two strong people, and started pulling two different directions? What would you experience? Conflict, okay. Pain, how about that? Let's say pain. It hurts. It's painful. And when my, when my, in my inner person, my spirit is saying, let's know Jesus better, but my mind is saying, let's get even with that person. My mind is saying, I can't let them get away with that. Yeah, man, I was taught that you, you stand up for yourself. You can't let someone treat you that way. And so what I'm doing is I'm being torn two different directions, and I, I have turmoil. There's turmoil inside. I was just uh, telling a couple guys this story. It, it just came to me in between services, so you're, you're the only service that gets this story, Okay. Uh, in the 80s, we lived in a town in Michigan, and the, the church was oh, six or seven blocks from our house. So I would walk home often. And there was a man there that uh, was protesting um, abortion, and he would have these big signs out on the street. And um, he, he was, I, I knew he was a believer, didn't know him personally. But he would have these big signs, and he'd have pictures that were extremely graphic and I always took them as being offensive, uh, just to the you know to our sensibilities. But um, one day I was walking Pat down the street and I saw Jim across the street and the guy standing beside him and he had a sign that was making fun of the president, and it said some derogatory things about the president. And I thought, well, okay, now uh, you know Jim's his own man; he he can decide what signs he wants to hold up. But as a fellow believer, I'm going to go over and tell him we shouldn't mock the president. And so I went over, and I, I just said, hey, Jim. You know, I said, I'm, you know, I'm Van Cochran. He, I know who you are. And then I said, yeah, man, I just wanted to tell you, uh, I, I don't think we should you know, be out here mocking the president. And he says, well, first of all, I have no idea who that guy is. Okay, so I was mistaken in thinking that Jim was with this guy. But then Jim started yelling, and this was a big guy that could yell really loud. And he's yelling at me about what he cares about and what I ought to be doing about it. And he ends this tirade by saying, if you are really a man of God, you will get on your knees right now with me on this street and pray. And now the way I was raised, when you're in a situation like that, you have a certain response to it. You got to have the last word. Or it's going to end up worse than that somehow. And I'm thinking, what can I say that's going to just, you know, just blow him away and I'll get to walk away and he'll be standing there in tears or at least repenting for how he's just treated me. And nothing came to my mind, but this came to my mind, just, just like that. And I think this was a word of wisdom from God. I just said, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to allow you to intimidate me into a false display of piety. And then I just turned around and walked away because there was no talking to him. As I'm walking down the street, he's still yelling at me at the top of his lungs until I get, and I could have kept going straight. I turned 
went the different way home just because I wanted out of his vision so he'd stop screaming. Okay, so, um, I mean, you get this. I was raised a certain way, and you don't let people yell at you like that. That just doesn't, that's not acceptable. But God gave me wisdom to have a different response. Two weeks later, I'm in my yard, and um, I think I've been playing ball with my kids or something. And they'd gone inside, and this big old car comes rambling up and pulls out right in front of my house. And here it's Jim. He gets out of his car and walks around. And I walked over to him, and I said, hey, Jim, how you doing? And shook his hand. He leaned back against the car, and we just started talking. And he's just talking like, we're, like we've been great buddies for years. And I said, dude, I said, you got to help me with something here. I said, the last time you and I interacted, you were, you were yelling at me at the top of your lungs. And, you know, as much as calling me a heretic. And I said, so now you're talking to me like we're best friends. What's going on? And he said this. He said, I need godly men in my life. Now, I wish I could tell you we became best buddies after that. We didn't, but we did see each other periodically and connect. But what if I had just responded to him the old way, besides him beating me into the ground, what would have happened? Uh, We wouldn't have had that second interaction. I mean, there's an old way of life. There are voices out there telling us how to live, voices out there telling us what's important and Voices from our past telling us who we are and the the way we should conduct ourselves. And what we need for our minds to be renewed is to allow God's truth to come alive to us. Where I believe it more than I believe those voices. Where I believe his truth more than I believe some of the things I learned in my own home growing up. And I tell my own kids this. I want them to believe Jesus more than they believed everything I taught them. Because in retrospect, I mean, every five years or so, I just go through this revelation of thinking what an idiot I was. Why did I believe that? And so, so we, we have to just say, Jesus, you know, for the last, what, 20 years, 25, 40, 50, 60 years, I've been thinking this way and I hear all these voices. I don't want to listen to those voices. I want to listen to your voice. Father, I want to hear your voice. And listen, it, we get it through the word of God, the Bible. The Bible is God's word. It is inerrant. It is always God's word. It is always alive. And we'll do well to read it and just read it and read it and read it. But sometimes when we're reading it, it just seems like there's a verse or a truth that just, poo, it just, you know, it just comes alive. It's just like there's life that lifts off the pages and you, I never saw it that way before. I never understood that before. What, what we're referring to that as is like revelation. That's like the Holy Spirit opening my mind up to a truth in a way that I haven't seen it before. That's when I am able to say, I'm going to go with that, okay? I'm going to go with this. I'm going to go with you, Jesus. And, I, and I'm going to reject this. I'm not going to live this way. I'm not going to listen to this voice. Now, when we do that, there is this continuity that begins to happen. The Holy Spirit's in us, desiring us, 
Our spirit is longing for more of God. And then my mind starts to get renewed because the Holy Spirit's in me working in my mind. And he's speaking to me. And I see this truth. And even though it might go against my past thinking or even some of my current emotions, I say, I'm going to believe that, Jesus. And I'm going to do that. And I'm going to trust you with that. And then you know what happens? The Holy Spirit, he just leaps with joy inside of us. He gets really excited about that. He likes it when this happens because we are beginning to live in some sense of continuity towards God. Does that make sense? Uh, Have you ever been in a car where someone has the radio blaring? um, There are two people in the back seat talking, and then the person in the passenger seat answers their cell phone and they're talking. Anyone ever experienced that? Does it make you go crazy? Doesn't it? I mean, the dissonance of that, all the voices are like, whoa. Now, what if all those voices were saying the same thing? Then we call that stereo. And then it's, kind of, it's a good thing. But when, when we have, it's like our spirits are tuned to God's station all the time. And my mind can be tuned to God or it can be tuned to other things. And I get to choose. I get to, I get to switch the dial. But this is all the Holy Spirit in us, okay? I don't want to make this sound like it's just stuff we do. It's Holy Spirit in us, working in us to desire, like busting out from my spirit into my mind and my will, and I make these decisions and choices, and then my emotions just tag right along and follow right along with it. But if we want to prosper internally, if we want to prosper at a soul level, and notice he says soul because we're already prospering in our spirit. That, that part of our inner person is already prospering. It's lined up with God. That's what draws me to God. And we need to let that leak out into our souls, into our minds and our wills so that our lives line up. And then we experience this incredible joy. But the um, question then is, am I prospering at a soul level? I mean, we need to ask ourselves that question. Am I thriving at a soul level? Or am I experiencing like doubt and confusion and fear and anger, depression? You know, what's happening in my soul? How's my soul? Because Jesus wants it to prosper. He wants it to prosper. And, you know, what we did, what we do to take the step that direction is say, okay, Lord, I, 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 I want you. I want you. I want you. Whatever it takes, I want you. Here I am. I want you. I want you. And then lining our minds up with his truth. Uh, illustrations. Uh, let, let's just take the illustration of, since this whole series is about finances, how about the illustration of what we need and, and what we buy and what the TV and our neighbors and everything else in me tells me to do. I want that. I want, well, the old one's almost broken. We almost did this a year ago. This is kind of like true confessions. Nobody else heard this story either. (laughs) Our TV, which I justified getting because I had had a detached retina and I couldn't see as well. So I bought a 37-inch, at that time, was a huge TV. But you know now... The 45, the 48, the whatever inch TVs are just amazing. And our TV, the HDMI input went bad. 
And I thought, oh, I wonder if I could fix that by connecting everything up to other, another way. And I think I might be able to do that. And Lori and I were talking and we thought, well, let's just go look at new TVs. And we ended up buying like a 48-inch TV, some big TV, until we got home. And I said, you know, I can fix this one. And Lori was like, well, why didn't you tell me that before? And I said, I was just really kind of hoping we'd get a new TV. <laughs> really wanted that new TV. It was zero interest for 18 months. I mean, you've, you've been there, haven't you? Yes. Yeah, I need that new TV. My eyes still aren't the best. And, and I mean, that's, that's right. And so, so we do this thing, and then we, we get stuff, and we put it on credit cards because we deserve it. And the bank just sent me a new letter that says they'll loan me $10,000 at a good interest rate. I can do anything I want to with it. Why wouldn't I take that? I mean, that's what our culture is telling us. I deserve a vacation. You know, I need this, I need that. And then we get so far in debt with the thinking that someday I'll make more money. I mean, there's some mystical, I think it's kind of like magical thinking. I can't pay for it right now, but a year from now I'll be able to. I mean, what? We need to break with that type of thinking. I mean, come on, if I can't pay for it right now, what? What's going to happen between now and then that I'll be able to pay for it then, other than the fact that I'm probably going to buy three or four things like this, and I won't be able to pay for any of them? I mean, what's going to happen? Do I have like this big breakout session, breakout point in my life planned where I'm going to just advance up? No, I mean, we need to think differently. That's all the voices of this world. And do you know the Bible says that Satan is called the prince of the power of the air because it means he has a pervasive influence on the thought systems that permeate cultures and societies. And so what's God say? Well, God says, be content with what you have. What? How? Be content with what you have. But my kids... They won't get anything for Christmas. Or the, their, their friends will get all these big things and my kids won't get as much and they'll feel bad and then they'll have to have counseling when they grow up because <laughs> they didn't get as much, didn't get as many presents. I mean, we think that way. Those are lies. There's no better place to grow up than in a home where mom and dad are responsible and love Jesus and we live within our means. And that might mean we don't have everything everybody else has, but that's Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's the best place. to. How, how do you raise people that are going to change the world? You don't raise them the same way the world's raising them. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. And so we've just got to get, we've got to be open. Jesus changed my thinking. Changed my thinking. Show me how to, show me how to live. Show me how to do relationships. We're going to talk, there's going to be some talk about that next week in the message. It's a new way of thinking about relationships. Romans 8, 6. Let's take a look at that. It's a powerful verse. Here in this long, uh, wonderful chapter about the Holy Spirit, he says, The mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the Spirit is 
is life and peace. He means the Holy Spirit. My mind, which is reborn, and it now has the capacity to understand and receive divine truth, didn't have that before. I have that now. I get to choose what station I'm going to put it on. I get to choose. Am I going to focus on the flesh? And by that, he means just humanness, the fallen human way of thinking, satisfy myself, listen to all the advertisements on TV, let them be my source of moral and ethical input and guidance in life. Listen to all my friends who don't, I mean, their lives are all so messed up, they, but, but I still take their advice. Am I, am I going to do that? Or am I going to take my mind, I'm going to set it on the things of the Holy Spirit. Read the Bible and, oh, Holy Spirit, speak to me, teach me, show me. I need to understand your ways. Now, so how's my soul? Again, uh, uh, where am I? Am I, am I just walking in pain and confusion? You know, here's my concern and and why this series is so important. This Freedom Project. Last year, we talked about freedom and and being freed from fear and anxiety over lack. And uh, and, and we, people gave amazingly, and we broke something off of this church corporately at that time. And this time, what the concern is, and the reason God's led us the direction he has is because... It's discipleship. It is, do you know what a disciple is? A disciple is simply a follower of Jesus. Disciple means learner. If you're a learner from Jesus, what that means is Jesus is your model for life. He's the one that's living in you. He's the one that's leading you for life. He's, he's your picture of what, what, what you want to be down the road. It's Jesus. And so this is about discipleship. Now, we are going to have a challenge to give at the end, but that's, it's, it's not because we're worried about the budget. I'm not worried about this church budget or about the church having what it needs to do what it needs to do. Uh, we've seen God provide amazing amounts of money to start the church and to put this building up and to plant other churches and the Freedom Project. Uh, look, I, I'm not worried about that. What I am concerned about is that we as a body grow in discipleship. I do, do want us to be just a body filled with generous people. Filled with people who have the right perspective of possessions. Filled with people who have an outward mission-focused life. So that that's the thing that's compelling us and leading us in life. Yeah, I am concerned about that. I do want to see our church impact this city more than it has. And impact this whole region and to, to impact the whole world more than we have. I want to see that. But, but I know, yeah. I know that that happens when you and I grow, and I need to grow too. We, we, you and I grow as disciples. When we grow as disciples, then the giving thing, man, you know, the, the budget stuff is going to be, well, who can we send where? How, you know, because here we have, what, what's God wants to do with this money to advance the kingdom? Then it's not, and so, so that's not the issue here. But um, 
Revelation, Matthew 16. And then we're going to look at one other thing and end. Matthew 16, I just want to show you this, okay? Here in this context, um, and really the goal of discipleship, we want, I want us to prosper at a soul level. Because when I'm prospering at a soul level, the other stuff is going to be okay. It's going to take care of itself. Now, in Matthew, Jesus says uh, to the disciples, who do men say that I am? What he was saying was, out there, what are people saying? What are people saying? You've been listening to the voices of people. What are they saying? And so Peter says, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're one of the prophets. And so that's the message from out there. That's what's on the wind. That's the word. But then he says, what do you, who do you say I am? And you know what Peter said? He said, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. Now, Peter wasn't listening to those voices out there. He didn't get it from those voices out there. And here's what Jesus, Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. Okay, the mindset on the flesh is what? Death. The mindset on the spirit receives revelation from God. Understands God's desire to release heaven into this world and heaven into our lives. That's the mindset on the spirit. And this revelation is what changes us. And it just takes humility. It takes humility. It takes humility. Now, we're going to end with this. I want to ask discipleship-wise, how many want to be a disciple of Jesus? I mean, yeah, I, I, I want to be. And I'm not going to look around. I'm going to want to embarrass you. If you're struggling with that right now and you're not so sure, that's okay. You're at the right place, and I hope you keep coming, and I hope you decide to be his disciple. But here's the thing. Do you know what ground-level, basic, kindergarten discipleship is? Do you know where it all starts? It all starts with this statement from Jesus in Luke 14, 33. And, and I am not quoting this out of context. This is in the context, in the flow. Luke 14, 33. So then, none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. Wow. All his own possessions. And so what's he talking about? I make an offering every week. You know, like I see what's, you know, I'm going to make, and then I'm okay. No, what he's talking about is all, all his own possessions. And I want to tell you, down through the centuries, that has meant for some people literally that. Divesting themselves of everything, giving it all away. It has. But for all of us, everyone, it means this. It means recognizing that it all belongs to Jesus. It means recognizing that it's his, not mine. That the breath I breathe, the clothes I wear, the food I eat, car I drive, place I sleep, all of it belongs to God. It is all his. So I give up my possessions and I say, they are yours. And Listen, this takes some, this takes revelation from God. It takes more than me just saying this. Because it's easy to say, oh yeah, I've heard that before. 
Lord, I can't think about that right now. I mean, there are a hundred different ploys the enemy uses to have us just push truth away. But to say, okay, Lord, show me what this means. Show me what this means. Just say that, show me what this means. Because I want to be your disciple. You know, the cool thing is the word give up means to say goodbye to something. (laughs) You like that? I like that. Yeah, you got to say goodbye to your possessions. Adios. Arrivederci. (laughs) See you later. You have to say goodbye to them. You release it. You give it up. You set it aside. The word also has the idea of delegating something. And so uh, this, is, this is kind of odd because it's almost like I'm saying, okay, God, think you can handle this? Because I've got all this stuff here that is weighing me down, messes with my mind, messes with my heart. And I know I can't love this stuff and love you at the same time. So how about if I give it all to you? Think you can handle it, God. Can you take care of it? You own it. You just handle it. And then when that happens, then we realize that really that God's doing that to us. He's saying, here's my stuff. Take care of it. You're my servant. Here's my stuff. You take care of this for me. And when we recognize that, then we recognize that we're what the Bible calls stewards. Um, it's his. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna, it's not just I'm going to give, but what I keep I'm going to use to honor him. My whole life, my whole being is going to be to honor him. And that really takes us into a whole new level of discipleship. Jesus said, you can't love God and money. So this is foundational. This is truth that we need to just open our minds and our hearts to. And as we do, uh, there's going to be a congruity happen within our hearts and our spirits. It's going to explode with joy in our lives. And, and all the other decisions we have to make are going to fall into place. We'll talk more about other principles and stuff in upcoming weeks. But right now, what we're going to do is uh, stand, and we're going to read the um, Freedom Project uh, Declaration, and then we're going to um, worship. So the worship team's going to come out. All right, it's you guys have been the most interactive group this weekend, so you get a big star, okay? <laughs> Thank you for that. And so let's, let's just, uh, if you can, read this out like you mean it. If, I mean, if it really is a struggle for you, don't, don't read this if, if you're not, okay? We're not trying to twist anybody's arm here, but um, let's start together. Through Jesus Christ, I am set free. I reject lies of weakness, scarcity, and lack. I embrace the abundant life and strength of the Holy Spirit in me. I am no longer a slave to old ways. I have a new mind through Christ. Therefore, I will live with boldness and victory as a freeborn son of the living God. The Creator God is my heavenly Father. My being, my breath, and every joy flows from his goodness. Therefore, worshiping him is my highest calling in life. I will worship him with my song and my praise. I will worship him with my life and my possessions. He is worthy of my time, energy, and creativity. Today, I choose to worship him with all I am 
and ever will be. Amen. Feel free to come to the front, okay? I encourage you to. There's something powerful about it. So, all right.